from the minds that listen to Christopher Rufo comes a story of a homeowner pushed to the brink. The jewel of the Pacific Northwest is under siege. We have record numbers of crime. Our, our property crime rate is now 86% higher than Chicago, 250% higher than LA, and 400% higher than New York City. A failing government has all but abandoned law and order. That the police have told us to vote you all out so that they can do their jobs. And you're telling us, call 911? You're smiling. You think it's funny? You think it's funny the way we're living? From the ruins of the once great city rises a fiendish creature. And though he may not have a home, he is taking heads for his household. Detective, homeless guy got his head cut off up the trail. Citizen found the head about 15 feet outside the tent. Body was decomposing inside and there was a bloody saw next to it. Very brutal. Might be drug related. You just leave that to us, Sergeant. This summer, one citizen is brave enough to emerge from his inherited single-family home to hunt that which hunts the most vulnerable in society. One citizen who answers to the higher code of frontier justice. <laughs> Welcome back to Seattle Sucks! Woo! I thought Greg was gonna cheer. It's me. It's Colin. Uh, this is the. Uh, you're listening to the podcast about hating the city we love. I, I'm I'm Greg, Officer Greg here. Oh, Greg. I've joined what? the police force. Wow, that's uh, you're that's... projecting a lot of strength. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my new cop character. It's pretty good. It sounds like some kind of George Lucas creation, but. <laughs> Okay, alright. I think it works. Uh, yeah, so this has been quite a week in Seattle. Too much horrible and hilarious stuff to talk about. Heads getting sawed off. What the fuck? Christopher Rufo. I'll be real honest, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, because I had to work oh, last week. God, yeah, that, well, that's the worst. And so I, I woke up yesterday with a total work hangover. When you just wake up with a headache, nausea, like, <laughs> the whole thing. It's like, so I, um, you're going to have to be my guide on the yeah. journey through whatever is uh, happening. That's okay. I, I understand. We won't even cover everything that happened because something too beautifully grotesque occurred last evening. Okay, yeah. And that was the unveiling of Eric Johnson of Como's latest piece. Opus? On homelessness, which was called, it's just a very tasteful, understated title. Like ours. Like, exact, exactly like ours. Called Seattle is Dying. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, so we were thinking we were just going to watch this whole horrific thing and uh, kind of deconstruct it. Yeah, you have to show it to me. Okay, but wait, first, I still am laughing at this shit you showed me where this guy tweeted this. Um, <laughs> we, I, I want to 
want to pretend this is how we found out about Seattle is dying because from Ari Hoffman, who I, you were saying is featured heavily in this shit. He is. He's, he's also a candidate for. Yeah, he's running for dis- district, district two. two. Real estate and inflatable real estate. Cool. That is exactly what we need um, on the city council. But anyway, he retweeted this awesome, awesome tweet from this guy at the Mark Hobson. <laughs> um, the genuine. Hobson. And it says, at Jenny Durkin, it's sunny and beautiful outside until you look at the squalor on the streets. <gasps> I want you to watch this Como report. Seattle is dying. You need to stop deceiving yourself about homelessness. We'll be voting for Ari Hoffman. Okay, that that's just a basic, like, lame post about, like, you know, he's just tweeting this thing and yeah. standing for Ari Hoffman. Right. But the real miracle here that will, like, haunt me as I sleep tonight is his bio. <laughs> At the Mark Hobson, business development is the materialization of creativity. Wow. <laughs> Another John Galt in our midst? Oh my god, it's so great. There are people like this who live and exist. It's blown my mind. Like, forget <laughs> for a minute, just erase from your mind everything you're thinking about what business development is or isn't, okay? <laughs> if you said to a, a human being... With, like, a functioning brain and a connection <laughs> to reality and other human beings in the world. Yes. And you ask them to come up with, like, a word or phrase that could encapsulate the materialization of creativity. Those human beings might say, as you uh, <laughs> obviously pointed out, they might say art. They might, they might. say they art. Might. With this... <laughs> <laughs> business development. I can't, I can't. This is some like so, he is storing the balls shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but this is this is a how I built it shit. Yeah, isn't that, what's yes. the, isn't that the NPR show? The um oh the uh, yeah how that, I built this, how uh-huh. I made this, or yeah, whatever yeah. the the actual like repudiation of the like. <laughs> Still now, years later, the Obama, you didn't right. build that. Like, with yes. CEOs talking about how they built this shit. Um, how they, like, the myth of, like, these people who create these companies. It's now, like, it's transcended, like... Well, I think it, we had this myth earlier in, like, the 20... Early in the first half of the 20th century with, like, the, you know, like, Henry Ford and shit. But, yeah. But then it came back again with, like, the tech guys yes but now that is so pervasive that it's like anyone who is ceo of a company is a visionary genius who created something right which is so fucking cool (laughs) well when you're coming up with awesome little aphorisms like this this is a special human being yeah a true believer so shout him out tell him that you agree that you also don't believe in art and the only possible valuable use of your time energy resources creativity thought Soul. is in to business development yeah. and voting for ari hoffman yeah very cool the okay Hoffather. i just lo- i'm just in love with this guy so i just wanted us to shout him out um okay so what the fuck is this thing this you, the things you've told me about it so far just sounds so awesome and i cannot wait to have my the rest of my weekend ruined by this yeah it it will do that for sure this was teased earlier this week i don't remember exactly when and we were sort of or i was sort of trying to dunk on it lots of other people were just dunking on it finger wagging because it 
is so fucking ridiculous. Just that title, Seattle's Dying. And then the trailer is this drone shot of an encampment, I guess. And of course, what we see is garbage. We see garbage. And then we go on to see people on the streets. And uh, I guess we're supposed to be sickened by their existence or something. I'm, I'm picturing, like, Gulf War yeah. footage. Yeah. Like, when they used to show this shit, because everyone agreed it was cool. Um, that, like, yeah. of the drone footage, or picturing the crosshairs, and then suddenly the, the, uh, the screen goes white. Because, <laughs> because, because the... the <laughs> The missile yeah. has uh, gone off. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, that's certainly the subtext. Well, that is the text. We'll get into that when we actually watch it. But uh, Eric Johnson assured everybody that uh, he, he, he was going to be fair. This is his third film uh, in his triptych on homelessness. The first was called There But For The Grace Of God. He's got a way with words, doesn't oh, okay. he? Okay. He's got away with cliches, but, <laughs> but, okay, see, that actually sounds like my, like, personal interpretation of homelessness in Seattle, um, and that's that I can so easily picture myself, like, being yeah. destitute and on the street, like, yeah. not just because of my material reality, but, like, other things, just in the way I see myself in the world, like, it's so, it's, that's so easy, and so, but, like, does a guy, do these people really think? feel that way i don't think they do you know i recall watching this but i don't remember much that came from it i think it was mostly profiles of people experiencing homelessness and if i recall correctly it was not so judgmental okay but he followed that up with demon at the door so we're getting a little darker and that demon is well it's heroin so again, I think this uh, documentary was maybe a little bit more judgmental, but still trying to portray the stories of people experiencing very real phenomenons like homelessness and addiction. Uh, so his, his own phrasing, in the words of the creator with mm-hmm. a capital C, this one is about everyone else. Talk about a false dichotomy. It's about citizens who don't feel safe taking their families into downtown Seattle. Everyone else. It's about parents who won't take their children into the public parks they pay for. It's about filth and degradation. Wait, he's talking about the cops? (laughs) 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 Got him all around us. And theft and crime. It's about people who don't feel protected anymore, who don't feel like their voices are being heard. So that is the pitch for this. And if you're here for it, you are probably on Safe Seattle, or you're voting for Ari, or you uh, think Christopher Rufo is the second coming. Well, you just, you're just a, an angry shithead with yeah. a home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you have property. You yeah. own, you're the lord of your little <laughs> fucking manor um, on Magnolia. It's mostly Magnolia. This program is not about demonizing those who are struggling with addiction and homelessness and mental illness. On the contrary, instead, it asks the question, why aren't we doing more? So just really keep this alleged thesis statement in mind. Why aren't we doing more? Why don't we have the courage to intervene in lives that are 
in the face of a grave sickness, reeling out of control. Why can't we finally solve this problem? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so it opens up with this hilarious, like, 90s trade paperback <laughs> image. Yeah, you said, you said, uh, Michael, Michael Crichton, Crichton specifically. It is, like, literally, it's, like, Congo. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of, a letter, like... It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It's like a dead ringer of something you would see in a local grocery store yeah. in 1996. Well. And we see the Space Needle, which is its proportions are a little off. Just going to throw that out there. A little top heavy. Uh, but it has these really bizarre roots. And we're... <laughs> okay, they're trying to do some like... <laughs> It's Word a metaphor, cloud yeah. association, but in this visual metaphor, no, it makes no sense. <laughs> it's split into roots, but the roots are, it's not like all the roots of the problem. No. Because there's also, that would make, you know, it's like, oh, it's a multifaceted thing. No, but also there's like... Comfort. Comfort. What? Intervene. No, it's just all the, all the, it's just a word cloud of like their, con like the pitch for this thing. <laughs> I don't know. Is so, yeah. starting, getting off to a great start. Oh, fantastic Coleman. start. That first musical cue sounds like Angelo Badalamenti, like you're watching fucking David Lynch or something. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it's, it's this, this reverb surf playing. Like... <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you something. What if Seattle is dying? and we don't even know it. This story is about a seething, simmering anger that is now boiling over into outrage. It is about people who have felt compassion, yes, but who no longer feel safe, no longer feel like they are heard, no longer feel protected. It is about lost souls who wander our streets, untethered to home or family or reality, chasing a drug which in turn chases them. It is about the damage they inflict on themselves to be sure, but also on the fabric of this place where we live. This story is about a beautiful jewel that has been violated and a crisis of faith amongst a generation of Seattleites falling out of love with their home. Holy shit. Okay, so that's the open his opening salvo here. Like, where to even begin? Okay, so like, you heard it. I mean... Yeah, it, it's about the people who don't feel safe. <laughs> right. Well, F well fuck off. Well, first of all, well, definitely fuck off. But it also simultaneously is dehumanizing. It insinuates that everyone's an addict and right. chasing a drug or whatever. Yeah. Also, I think I'm guessing this is going to come up a lot. Um, but he says the. Just the jewel or something that has been violated, <laughs> violated just to yeah. say raped <laughs> right um yeah by these homeless people mm -hmm. evidently so yeah. seattle's being violated by these people but the the jewel in this is this what comes up a lot 
in the reactionary trash on this subject. And and also, it's also the same as in the sort of neoliberal conception of the city, right. which is in terms of like develop we're talking about development and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is the city is just this dehumanized yeah conglomerate thing this thing that exists outside of the people who live in it but is its own like entity with its Uh own value yeah that it's the jewel so you know a neighborhood can be revitalized even if all the people who are living there are kicked out of it the the city the jewel can be raped violated By uh-huh. the people who live in the city, <laughs> right. you know, like right, who, right. Uh, what is the city? Yeah, it's this abstract concept. It's not the people who live in it, and that that's just fucking terrifying. Yeah, no, definitely. You just articulated something that I failed to, but was trying to get at on our Twitter ahead of this when I said, if you believe that Seattle is dying because of the unhoused, what is it that makes the city alive? Yeah, no, exactly that, yeah. I mean, but this this disconnect of, like, identifying this abstract concept, concept of the city, it's like, as if, like, the city is this separate thing that you mm. could, like, neutron bomb <laughs> and to, a, a, as a way of saving it or something, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, we as must long destroy as, you know, it the, but um, But you couldn't, right, because... I. Th- the city, really, the truth, that's the rhetoric, really, but, and we're going to get to this a lot, I think, again, yeah. is, like, that's the rhetoric, that's what comes out. That's what's easy to say when the truth yeah. is either conservative reactionary or Lib Dem neoliberal meritocracy, uh-huh. which is, the, all they can say out loud is to I'd abstract the city from the people within it. But what is really motivating this idea is that some people are the good people who deserve to be here and who you would want to be here uh-huh. and who you would yeah. and who need to be served and right. who need to be catered to yeah. and sought and brought to the city and other people don't <laughs> and it's like you know with the neoliberal or conservative there's two it's two sides of that coin it's yeah. either the liberals looking to raise up those people, those innovators, those creative types, right, those right. people who bring vibrancy, mm-hmm. or just the, the to raise the, the few, the select few whiz kids out of mm-hmm. poverty. Those so they want to raise up or encourage the good. And the conservative want to identify the people who the market, the invisible hand have shown has have identif- has identified as lesser than as lesser people. Yeah. As, you know, in like a social Darwinist sort of conception that like, you know, well, they're poor because they're, they're fucking miscreants and then, you know, that's what's hidden underneath, uh, the, (laughs) the abstraction of the city. Yeah. No, I think think that's a a great point. Anyway, this guy sounds like a real prick. Oh, it's only going to get worse, man. Cool. I drive my, uh. 12-year-old's carpool through Yesler uh, when we do carpool, and it's a good talking point about, you know, what they're seeing, what we can do to help, you know, how we can make a difference, and honestly, at this point, I don't have a good answer for how we can make a difference. Uh, So this is the first interview, and this is with a Magnolian. Awesome. Um, Your people. My people, yes, I know them so well. He starts off with that hilarious anecdote about his commute being a teaching moment for his kids. 
which just the language of that is so couched in like or at least projects this liberal conversation that you might have with a child about like you just said greg the winners and losers of society because he goes on to say i don't know how we help these right right people. okay so this is the this is the greatest thing. This guy, Matt Campbell, yeah. is his name. Yes. He's, for some reason, interviewed. And uh, you know what? That could be a good teaching moment with your kids about, well, like, hey, this is how much this country sucks. Right. Well, and that, these, that we is treat the other people moment. like yes. you and me like fucking animals, and we yes. create a system that, that produces homelessness. But then you go on to be baffled by why <laughs> he is in being interviewed at all when he says... <laughs> And I have no answers for that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, my kids, you know, and uh, I, yeah. I tell them, like, well, let's talk about how we can help. And then I say, I have no I, answers yeah, for that. I don't we know. Can't. The answer is we I'm can't. stumped. I'm just, and then goes on to talk about how he's angry and mad. Yeah. Well, so basically, you're just interviewing a guy who's ambiguously pissed <laughs> off that he has to look at this shit on his drive right. yes. and ha- has no answers. No. No analysis no no plan no policy no uh just just anger and yeah. confusion yeah well, then what the fuck are we watching I, this well for? so we talked about this before and we talked about this on the show to death at this point but he is sort of accidentally articulating this very superficial sort of ideology of these people of aesthetics yeah. where he says I'm embarrassed but he's not embarrassed about homelessness because every shot is him in front of garbage he's yeah. embarrassed of garbage so he doesn't give a shit if there are 12,000 homeless people right. and they're clean he cares when they're fucking dirty and you can see it and you can't hide it and you have to be reminded of that every day yeah and it's so there's so much to say about that because like first of all there's an obvious answer to that yeah clean up the fucking garbage right like you well, could personally pick it up you yeah. fucking dick <laughs> if you're so bothered by it <laughs> yeah to me the garbage is just representative of the fucking larger systematic problem so right. i know that yeah there's going to be fucking trash when our fucking society sucks this bad okay yeah. when we create again we we reproduce people who are unable to sustain themselves right it's a symptom of a larger thing it's like completely it's it's and it's just it's it's like nothing compared to the human suffering and if you Absolutely. fix the fucking real problem you you could get around the fucking garbage but it's worse than that because you could you could keep people homeless and pick up their fucking trash too oh yeah that, definitely the city could get all over that i mean yeah but this guy and i, I take what you are saying about aesthetics all the, the conversation is largely about and i think people are motivated by that but i also think it's another case of this being the available rhetoric definitely to cover the underlying motivations of disgust at the people themselves you know yeah oh, anyway so that that's the first interview well, we're still in the beginning here. Let's talk about the whole thesis here. Seattle is dying. This is this, you know, this declension narrative of this apocalyptic fear. Like, uh, he, you know, he's he's playing the role of the Cassandra, right? <laughs> right. Like, you know, what, we don't even know. He says Seattle might be dying. We don't even know. It's like I'm I'm right. telling you right now. I'm right. seeing the future. Right. Um, 
And you dumb fuck. Seattle, like every other American city, already died <laughs> 50 fucking years ago. Wake the fuck up. We killed the American city in the mid-century with suburbanization, freeways, and fucking racism. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. they all reinforced each other to commit, like, you might as well have neutron bombed the central part of every fucking city as the white suburbs fucking grew up and cities fucking fell apart. They're being, they can, they're, the cities are being gentrified now, these areas, because, that is available because those people have been so vulnerable there for so long and that they're ripe for that investment only right. because we're now moving, we're only now rebuilding the city, you fucking idiot. It's not dying Cities are rebuilding. They're just rebuilding very unequally. Right. Uh, yeah. They're the, the American city is coming back, but it's coming back for fucking rich people. Right. And so it's this inversion of what happened in the last century where rich people fucking moved out of Wait, the city funny. to the fucking shitty suburbs. Well, yeah, when I say rich people, obviously, I mean white people. And now... The opposite is happening, where rich people, you know, it started in New York fucking 30 years ago. They started moving, build, building back up, building Manhattan right. back up. And right. now that is just a, as they say, a playground for the rich. And <laughs> yeah. and Seattle's becoming a playground for the tech douche. And everybody else is just being forced out to the dumpier suburbs and exurbs. Right. Um, yeah. Everyone, you know, the poor of all colors now mm -hmm. are being, and, mm -hmm. and creeds are being tossed out, you know, on the waves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they're heading out there with the tide. I think that's a really great metaphor, though, or at least a example, the New York City Giuliani example, because we alluded to Christopher Rufo earlier. I think the under, undercurrent with Rufo, and I'm just going to call him his Lost Boys, they kind of have this broken windows conception of crime and what's happened to the city, and they view Seattle like Giuliani and many other people viewed, like Times Square in, what, the late 70s, early yeah, 80s? Yeah. <clears throat> so that's, that's one thing. And then the other comment I'll make is that... Um, I think that while I agree with you, like cities are dead and they're only now being revitalized. And I tweeted this on at some point uh, in that same Seattle's dying thread that I think people like Vanishing Seattle have been paying attention to what we're losing culturally, yeah. uh, which is really a story of displacement of these people that can't afford to yeah. live in in Seattle anymore. So to me, this argument like, oh, Seattle's dying because there's some, f there's some fucking garbage around. Like the, the larger story is one of displacement. And as you say, like a disgusting level and growing level of inequality. Yeah. Next guy, holy shit! This this uh, upholst Ballard upholsterer, 
like, we should play the clip of this guy, um, because you, so you cool. just have to hear it in his own words. This is just, this, this is just a bunch of, this is not right. Out his window, he looks at this. Oh, they're human beings. Yes, I'm a human being too. Customers coming to his shop see the same thing. I have known cops from Compton, Watts, South Central. They have some power in their hand. Here you see a bunch of twinkle toes running around here. What the heck? Because they run the city like that. They're having problems. They're having problems. They're not having enough authority. There were fires set outside his shop this past summer. And Mr. Derek Shande does not blame police. He believes their power has been stripped away. The city mayor doesn't give the cops authority. That's the problem. We need somebody with some weights and tell them, it's not legal living on the sidewalk. It's city ordinance. It's not legal living here. Why can't we enforce the law? Okay, so holy fuck. Um... He convinced me. I mean, uh, police have no authority. They've been neutered, one might say. What did, he, did he say twinkle toes? Yeah, oh my god. Like, okay, but first, the first thing he's like, <laughs> he, he claims to, uh, he's like, I've been personal best friends with, <laughs> with, with cops from Compton. Compton, Watts, and South Central. Interesting choices. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, those neighborhoods... Uh, that he has definitely been to and knows people from <laughs> that he doesn't just know from television as <laughs> as the black neighborhoods in LA um, where he thinks of like you know gang bangers yeah. roaming the streets he just really loves NWA man um and he yeah he wa he's like bring the jackbooted thugs out and like <laughs> yeah. let's kick these people and then it's like his you're right okay i, I take he is really upset by garbage they all are and that's i mean like, what this isn't right that's you can't that's all they can say this guy is actually perfect if you don't want to watch this doc just watch this guy's interview because he he gets to both sides of the entire argument which is these people create garbage that i have to see and the cops need to enforce the laws. The laws of not living on sidewalks. Uh-huh. What a fucking narrow view. Like, how how can you just, like... <laughs> if someone's being... If someone is living on a sidewalk, the problem is fucking bigger oh, than someone's living laws? on a sidewalk. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. ask the fucking question, why is this person <laughs> living on a fucking sidewalk? And well, solve that problem, not kick them off the sidewalk, okay? Like, this is basic. Even without, like, compassion for human beings. Like, it... I mean... Oh, yeah, Jesus yeah, fucking Christ. No, like, have a fucking... Like, take a step back. Have a fucking analysis at, just of anything. Well, that's what's um, uh, breathtaking about this, is that nobody does. Okay, also, though, there have been arsons right outside his door. And then it, like, cuts to, like, police tape and, yeah. like, a black mark on the ground where yeah. it looks like... Someone had a fire to roast a fucking can of beans on. <laughs> not, you'll notice, they did not cut to a shot of a burned of building. Property, yeah, set on fire, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, and then it says he doesn't blame police, which I guess is insinuating that... Well, he oh, says it's the mayor. The mayor doesn't give them the authority. And as we, you know, we've talked about before, yeah, the, you know, the, the mayor does not give them the authority to enforce the laws about living on sidewalks or or part overstaying your parking 
I'm just imagining. Oh my god. A George Lucas cop like smashing his ham fist into his locker and cursing Jenny Durkin because he can't get out there and enforce the law. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, no, I mean, I'm, yeah, probably that is how a lot of them well, feel. We'll, yeah. we'll, I don't want to spoil all anything right, for right. you, but I'm loving this, we may hear god, something to that so effect. Much. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. There has evolved a profound disconnect, and rarely has it been more vividly laid out than in this exchange. If property crime is committed, violence is committed, you need to call 911, and the police... <laughs> You've lost all credibility when you say, you said two words. You said, call 911. Do you understand that the police have told us to vote you all out so that they can do their jobs? And you're telling us to call 911? You're smiling. You think it's funny? You think it's funny the way we're living? The way we are living. Okay, this is the, this is... Holy shit! Okay, first there's some some footage from Parks and Rec. <laughs> uh, well, this do you remember when this happened? This happened yeah. right around the time we started the show. Yeah, uh, I think the Erica C. Barnett wrote about this. She was yeah. there. Yeah, um, yeah. It sounded sound, yeah, an awesome town hall meeting. I wish I could have been <laughs> at um, when Mike O'Brien gets shouted down um, <laughs> and laughs, and then in, that laughs, laughs in the woman's face because. <laughs> She's fucking psycho, and well, it's the only human response. She's wearing an evidence-based solutions t-shirt. Wow, I did not catch that. That's dark, dude. Yeah, and she tells the very... Science! You have to use science! <laughs> oh. You have to enforce the laws with science. That's what it takes. And so she's talking about like how... The cops are telling them to Which is very real. vote them out of office and so they can happen. do their jobs. Yeah. So they, they're, they're like, my hands are tied. <laughs> my hands are tied. Uh, As he shoves another. Okay, but then she's like, do you know how we're living? And Eric picks up on that and, yeah. and he uses that rhetoric. How we're living. <laughs> Motherfucker, how you're living? How you're living well, in your home? Greg, I have to see it. I don't want to see it. Okay? Oh, I have to. Oh, when I leave my home, <laughs> I have to see garbage. That's how I'm living. Oh, my psyche. My, prop, my, uh, my net worth has doubled in value over the last two years because I own a own home. home. Yeah. Ah, I'm living so... Ah, how I'm living. Oh, God. Yeah. These... Mm, man. Okay, so in the next brief section, he gives you this stupid graph of yeah. property crime rates per 100,000 100, residents. People, which came from the FBI 2017. Okay, so this, this is data. just what this crime rates refers to is crimes reported by the police, okay? Yeah, or, yeah, reported to the police. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah then but, percolates up to the FBI. So, this is what they put in their paperwork. And here's the thing. 
when there is a population you are trying to oppress <laughs> who are is marginalized by society yeah they're going to be hit with all the possible crimes and charges they're going to be harassed with it with with law enforcement as much as they can that you know so this means nothing to me oh because yeah because it is yeah is is there a correlation yeah i'm sure there is and because homeless people are there to be targeted right to yeah. be to find these property crimes and, yeah and yeah hey listen the, you know uh, so we have a prison like population epidemic right now because you know since the 70s basically we've had a war on drugs and war on gangs and things that are designed to oppress black communities essentially right the crime rates are high in those black communities because that's where we've chosen to enforce laws that's where the cops are finding yeah. people to fuck with yeah. like yeah you know, so fuck off with your these your fucking FBI numbers. Well, totally. Go and fuck yourself. I mean, I know. Again, we've talked about like how stupid it is to stoop to their level of facts and and logic. But I looked at this report, and there, I think there are over like ten cities that have higher rates of property crime. And so this whole conception of a major city Whoa, seems so like just splitting che- fucking Wow, hairs. that's even more cherry-picked than I thought. It is, dude. Holy fuck. Shit. Orlando's above us. Portland is above us. Holy shit. It's- okay, so he, in the thing, just to be yeah. clear, he says, like, he shows this graph, he shows all these cities, and he shows at the top is San Francisco, and second from the top yep. is... Seattle. Well, Seattle. and they again, the language is major city. So oh. what, well, but what does that mean? Our population wasn't that different from several of the cities above us in property crime, like between us and San Francisco. So, so major like, city what, is basically just below the population. Yeah, I mean, of Seattle Spokane his... has higher rates of property crime. Yeah. So, like they're they're near the top. Yeah, it's just it's a ridiculous thing. And again, this is being crowed by Rufona's Lost Boys. Like we're gonna be hearing this all year. This is the drums of war right here. Like this is what gets these people. That's a really great statistic. Up. Yeah, High, it, highest rate of property crime, second only to San Francisco, the other like homeless, yeah, homeless tropolis, right? You know, yeah, home homelessopolis. <laughs> yeah. need to play this this little monologue here take a listen to this shit and then you walk down the street and you see a wretched soul like this consumed by demons maybe madness maybe drugs maybe both this is what suffering looks like this is pain ranting and raving screaming silently coming completely unraveled before our eyes and then tomorrow he'll wake up and relive the nightmare all over again starving, eating trash from a garbage can. Look at the people walk by. Of course they're not shocked. How could they be? They see it every day. How can this be who we are? How can this be what we allow? How did the word compassion get twisted into this sickening reality?
Okay, that is like I I, I think it's pretty self evident. Yeah, like, it speaks for itself. It's just the the language used and the and then the it comes in the end equating in this. I I have a feeling we're gonna see this thesis come up again. Equating compassion with the cause for this. Right. Our, it's our yeah. compassion yeah. for these people yeah. that causes them to be on the street because we don't, I assume, because we don't enforce the law. Right. So it's our yeah. compassion because we don't jail this man and kick him off the street uh, that encourages him to be here and be in be mentally ill and <laughs> unhoused. And, like, not, not that our lack uh-huh. of compassion yeah. keeps us from... Fixing our social problems that caused this shit. Right. But everything in everything in the conservative and neoliberal worldview is based on fucking incentives. Mm -hmm. And that including negative reinforcement. Okay? (laughs) Now conservatives are bigger on negative reinforcement. Neoliberals are bigger on bigger on positive reinforcement. But at the end of the day, they both think everything in the world happens the way it happens in an idiotic economics textbook right and that everything is mediated by some market force fucking incentive yeah that there's some lever you can tweak and so it's because we're we're not like throttling this man Mm -hmm. that he is that he is fucking mentally ill we've allowed him to thrive that's it exactly we fed the bears we've just we've allowed him to to exist on the path of least resistance, right? Which is right. being mentally ill and unhoused and eating garbage. Yeah, and which is shocking. So that's because we've made that so easy, he's taken that path. There's no disincentive for him to do that. He's right. incentivized by the fact that no one's stopping him. Uh-huh. So he's just going to be mentally ill <laughs> and eat trash. Oh. <laughs> Oh, just yeah. Let that think that through. Just yeah. Fuck. Think about that for <laughs> we, we. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Um. You know what? I'm starting to think this homeless life is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but the other insidious thing about the presentation of this is it's shot like a like a nature documentary. Right. And Did they get this guy's permission? It doesn't like... look like it. They're I think they're across the street. Oh yeah, they're across the street. That's a they're on a pretty long list. They're there, using like... dehumanizing lang- like pseudo poetic oh, language. And... Yeah. You know, this is this this is a very old like conservative technique of bemoaning the tragedy of it all. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Oh, yeah. Really feeling the tragedy, but but the takeaway is <laughs> throttle the man. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, he he's been given too much carrot. He's grown fat on with mental illness on that carrot. Yeah, he's it's... been eating that that, <laughs> that that that's he's eating them carrots out of that trash. It's time for more stick, and we got Holy just the uh, George Lucas cop to uh, dispense that. So another thing about this man that they're, like, uh, subjectifying... Yeah. You know, he's screaming to himself, okay? Mm -hmm. And we have all seen this, and it's like... This is, like, a human tragedy that we we cannot, like, do anything about this as a culture. Mm -hmm. um, And more that that really we're we're reproducing this condition. Mm -hmm. But, again, (laughs) I can so easily... Like, I, I... 
I think people are really freaked out. Some people, some people, and the people in this documentary are really freaked out by this sort of expression of mental illness. Mm -hmm. People talking to themselves, having these conversations, screaming, getting angry. And it's like, but again, for me, I'm like, I'm almost there. I I can so (laughs) easily, like, I I almost, I feel like, oh, I get exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Because, like, I I fucking walk around muttering to myself all the time. (laughs) Like... yeah, and I know where it. I I feel like I understand where it comes from, and in some level, and it's like it's not hard for me to picture myself. Yeah, at yeah. that place at all. Yeah, I think that that is a really. I think that's an interesting way of looking at this because it kind of reminds me of the obsession that white wealthy homeowners tend to have with true crime and like serial killers. All right. That the only in that there's this like trying to make sense of something that is so alien oh, and yeah. like that is so antithetical to what you think of society and modern life and like these ostensibly to you uh, in scare quotes are people like they're like you they're like everyone you know but they're not at the same time. So does this also potentially explain my total disinterest in <laughs> true crime shit about serial killers? Maybe, yeah, because you don't you don't have that. Uh, well, you I'm already not, know the answer. I'm not. I'm, 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 not, I'm totally nonplussed by this. I'm totally unconfused yeah, and yeah. by yeah. Okay. The Puget Sound Business Journal estimates that Seattle and its outlying areas spend $1 billion addressing and responding to the homeless situation every year. And they say that number is almost certainly underestimated. Nonprofits, city and county budgets, police calls to homeless camps, hospital services, building tiny houses, drug treatment and outreach. Picking up needles, clearing out camps, garbage details, chain link fencing. And the more money we throw at the problem, the worse it gets. But of course, what is happening in King County and on the streets of Seattle isn't about dollars. It's about human lives. How can this be the right thing to do? How can watching human beings live and die in filth and degradation and madness be right? The cost isn't a billion dollars a year. The cost is quality of life. The cost is people not wanting to take their families downtown anymore. Families not feeling safe in their own neighborhoods. The cost is people no longer feeling like they are hurt, no longer feeling protected. The cost is people dying in the streets and the rest of us getting used to seeing it, numb to the suffering. The cost is incalculable. How did we get to this point? Holy shit. Okay. So, he's talking about like the cost it the he's talking about the costs right yeah. he's ta- cost yeah. is in human lives okay i'm there with you well and he's like then then he says <laughs> the cost is in the quality of life and you start to go yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, then it becomes clear he's talking he says, about for of, me of, 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 it's for me of house people <laughs> because again having to look at this people being you know afraid to take their families downtown and then he falls into another this is very american i don't actually know even where to put this politically um because it's a very it's a very liberal thing for sure which is he says the cost uh is are seeing people die on the streets and becoming numb to it or getting used to it or something right this 
is the most pathetic, self-involved critique. <laughs> this is this is very much like the liberal um, anti-war narrative from, mm. especially from Vietnam, which is look what you know, fifty thousand American. GIs died there and the rest you know came home broken and and like look what it's doing to us and look what it's doing to us as a country and this is very often the liberal anti-war mm-hmm. rhetoric is yeah. to say like we're being damaged by this and that's that's the tragedy right and that's <laughs> and you know to some people to some and this is you know it's a very liberal thing to like look for a an appeal that might appeal to a a a right audience or something Mm -hmm. or something that's to the right of maybe what you think of as your real reason but either way it's still pretty sick when you think about like to just use vietnam i mean you know imperialism in general war in general imperial war you know yeah is we you know we just as this country we've you know murdered you know millions of people largely from the sky right um, and, uh, we don't think of those, uh, Even bomber, our own bomber pilots as having a lot of PTSD. <laughs> um, and, and like the, the, the psychic toll that, that our wars have taken on the American psyche. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, and, and it's true that it has, and it has killed Americans. Right. But I mean... Again, in this this is a strong part of the 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 sort of liberal anti-war narrative around Vietnam, and in Vietnam, millions <laughs> millions right, right. of Vietnamese people were, and you know, and uh, other Southeast Asian peoples mm-hmm. were uh, were killed, and still uh, are by munitions. That unex- just, yeah, and, and then just I mean, that's a legacy that's still here, and 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 and, and political turmoil. Absolutely. Uh, as well. Um, and, and that goes for all our involvements around mm-hmm. the world. I mean... Yeah. Th- this is like a time-honored way of thinking about this. I don't... It's pretty lazy and stupid. For sure. And uh, one other thing that struck me about this particular line is that, as we sort of joked about, the first two things he says are, my life is so hard that I have to experience these homeless people on the street, like... It's not about them. It's about me. It's about my inability to go to a baseball game without feeling feeling guilty. My inability to take my kids out to dinner or whatever. And then this, on a sort of, again, on a superficial level, looks like he's saying it's bad that homeless people are dying and that we're numb to it. But to your point, like what he's kind of actually saying is I have to see homeless people die and that's pretty shitty for me. And... And he's trying to take it farther. He's trying to take it farther by saying, and it's really tragic that I and all of us are becoming numb (laughs) Numb to to it. it. That's the tragedy. We've (laughs) become numb. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And that does sound like a tragedy, but... It pales in comparison to the loss of life. You're just talking about the psychic toll on you. Right. And it's like, it would be if that was really part of the condition that caused us not to solve it right it's actually not right right. um this is like again a very lazy sort of psychological analysis yeah of our paralysis in you know as a society Mm -hmm. and 
it's bullshit because there are structural forces yeah. that do, are, do, are not related to our numbness. Nobody likes to see this shit. No one's really... People are numb to it because they have no choice. Yeah. They, they don't know what else to do. But that's not what's causing it. Yeah. Um, it's because the, there are structural forces that are out of individuals' control. So individuals have to be numb to it. Completely. One thing I wanted to touch on here that we didn't touch on in the previous clip um, about this poor person is that, again, this is straight out of Rufo's revolting Jeremiah that he put out or republished. That this is this is almost like word for word. He cites. Well, first of all, he he calls (laughs) out uh, the problem being uh, compassionate leftists. Um, as really yeah. being the scourge the and com- menace the that's compassion brigades that's ho- right that's holding back these people and has created the homeless industrial complex, which then in this clip they state the fucking Puget Sound Business Journal, like Lord knows where they got this one billion dollar figure from, that's right? Obviously underestimate. Yeah, so he cites Puget Sound Business Journal. Yeah. So that that. That tells you right there the level of journalism that's going on. Yeah, none. We have to read more Puget Sound Business Journal. We still don't. I know. We have to we, get a subscription. Gonna... Well, now that we... Now, thank you to all our patrons, we might be able to subscribe. Though, I'd feel really awful actually yeah, giving them money. Yeah, our few dollars to, to Puget Sound Business yeah, Journal. That somebody really hook us. Somebody who has a subscription <laughs> from their work or something. Yeah, surreptitiously. Just give uh, us the fucking password because yeah. we want to start reading that shit. Because yeah. when we do get a hold of it, it's fucking nuts yeah we'll probably read articles every episode i guess (laughs) yeah uh but again i'm gonna hammer on this a lot i mean shit we're only like eight minutes into this fucking hour-long video but all of this garbage all of these shitty sounding stats we're gonna hear over and over and over and over again in this election like this is what it's about i think in this city right now yeah, it fucking sucks, man. But this is what it. Is. This is politics. Yeah, you're this absolutely right. This is the whole right. thing. This no, is you're a, absolutely the entire right. thing. It yeah. is the frame with which you see the world, like this. Yeah. And I look at this same shit every day. I have a very, very different reaction to it because I have a very different frame of how the world works. Yeah, a very different analysis. Right. Um, and I'm not a fucking monster. So <laughs> part of that, I mean, some of these people, like, they're just like. Rich yeah. boomer shitheads who need to, to, to like die sooner than later, but yeah, and, um, they will. and they will, but it's just not fast enough. And but you know, for the rest, um, yeah, I don't know. All we can do is more cultural production, <laughs> that's it. All yeah. we can do, like this, I mean, I'm saying, you know, yeah, some this show is not enough. We don't have not that many people are listening, but right. it's like this show is useful if there's just a shitload more, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. with a better worldview, just tons more media, mm-hmm. just an avalanche yeah. of cultural, left cultural production to like outweigh the hegemonic right wing yeah. like, horseshit machine. Yeah. That's, that's, we don't have it yet, but it's, it's building like every day. There's more new, I hope like, so. out, left outlets all I the time. So. And, you know, that's, you know, so... Yeah. That's all we can do. That's politics. No, you're right. That is all we can do.
So he talks to this guy. Scott Lindsay. Scott Lindsay, which we should play a couple of things he says. Of the 100 that you looked at, what percentage of them were homeless? Yeah, from our criminal justice records, 100% had indicators that they were currently homeless. And what percent showed signs of addiction? Yeah, 100% also showed signs of a substance use disorder. And what percent uh, were mentally ill? Yeah, a little less than half had been evaluated by the courts formally for uh, mental health conditions, serious, severe mental health conditions. What this report also shows is that the police are working hard. They're making contacts, they're making arrests for criminal behaviors of, again, the same people in the same places over and over and over. What I think we need to focus on is what is our criminal justice system doing to support those police officers? There's, there's just so much, like, weird bullshit going on here. Like, again, like, so some of these people, these hundred people have a lot of criminal complaints, right? Yes. Those weren't actually convictions. So again, like what we talked about earlier is these people are probably targeted by the police. Like they're talking about this in terms of like statistics mm -hmm. and like, but they've just cherry picked. He, it's just some dickhead came up with a list of a hundred homeless people who've committed the the hundred homeless people have committed the yeah. who've, who've yeah. excuse me the who've like been had the most altercations with the police right it's just fucking meaningless and then he even says it's evidence that the cops are out there working hard we just need to support them more so they can do yeah. more of that and it's yeah. again they're I'm just gonna take a wild guess and say a lot of these people are just being constantly harassed by the police oh, yeah. for being yes. mentally ill and yeah. homeless. Mm -hmm. It's just so vapid and stupid, like and and cynical and cruel that it's. Right. I mean, what whatever, you, what even is there else to say? I don't know. I, I don't... Richard Padden is 55 years old, born and raised in Seattle. He works for the county. He looks around at Seattle's post-apocalyptic landscape, and is amazed. But this is, this borders on insane. I mean, we're allowing ourselves to participate in an insane practice that that is affording people, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Richard started a Facebook page called Seattle Looks Like Shit. Uh, the next guy is this guy with the Facebook page, Seattle Looks Like Shit. Yeah. Remind you of anything? <laughs> um, no, but like he, he comes out and says like, like how, like when I look around, he just basically he posts pictures of trash again. Right. Yeah. He's like, I look around and I just see like that we're he's like perpetuating this insane system. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then in the end, like earlier people, he's like, I don't know what to do about that. And he said, you know, he's like, I'm not heartless. Actually, he doesn't come off like a complete fucking dick. That's because you haven't seen his Facebook group yet. But okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. So he comes off charitably so far, but he didn't say that he was not quoted there in the documentary saying as horrible things we've heard. And he's not wrong. It's, it is, there's a, it is an insane system, yeah. but well, yeah, he's he, thinking narrowly like the system of our response to homelessness. Right. And he likens it to the third world, right? Right. Well, that's another thing is like, yeah, this is what most of the world looks like you did. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is like, yep, guess what? You, this bubble that we've yeah. lived in where yeah. we are able to sweep away our underclass that was that smaller and Pro and keep enough of the white population middle class ha has been an anomaly uh largely and like <laughs> yeah 
this is how a lot of people live, and mm-hmm. you're not even living in that filth. Yeah, know? right. So you, again, shut the fuck up. You just have to see it. Just, but it's this. It's this fear of um, these people. The garbage. It's like it's not just garbage. It's evidence of decline. Right. Yeah. It's this fear that we're on a precipice. It's like it feels like a radical change to people. Right. Mm-hmm. If they're like, oh, Seattle was this like very like clean town yeah. and very you know everyone seemed like they were doing well and if something can change so radically for the worse like where where is it going to stop mm-hmm. like is that's what this of Seattle is dying it's this yeah declension narrative yeah uh it's the fall of fucking Rome or something like it feels to these people i think by looking around they're like this is so severe that we thought our society worked that it had Mm -hmm. systems for dealing with levers and valves releases for (laughs) dealing with whatever grinders yeah fucking clubs abattoirs (laughs) but they're looking at this and going like ah where's it gonna stop it's Uh all catapulting toward oblivion and they're not wrong that's you know what they're not wrong so i feel I, i don't know i haven't seen this guy's facebook page but i feel like a guy like this who's like holy shit the system doesn't work we're incapable of dealing with this shit in the current paradigm this is a person who if they haven't gone too far off they haven't gone too online and gotten into like the full on death wish like shit then maybe this is a person whose skepticism of the current order can be a doorway to a left Mm -hmm. critique of capital yeah i think you're totally right one thing i wanted to again highlight is this fucking uh, Rorschach Watchmen pose that Eric takes, talking about it being a post-apocalyptic city. What is with this framing? I'm telling you, it's a visceral fear. Uh, it's a shock. This shit, the garbage is a shock to people. And if you don't have a structural framework, you know, all you if all you can see is... These people are generating this trash. <laughs> and yeah. stop there, and you mm-hmm. go, well, why isn't the system handling it? Right. And you're not looking through to the next step and the next step, and all the way down to a left critique of capital. Yeah. Then you're just confused, and you don't have any idea where this is leading. Yeah. That is apocalypse. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so we should play like a couple of highlights from the cop questionnaire segment. One officer wrote simply, yes, I am frustrated because I'm a law enforcement officer that is told not to enforce the law. Another wrote, it's simple. Start keeping criminals in jail. Judges need to stop giving them ridiculously low sentences and prosecutors need to stop accepting cheesy plea deals and actually lock people up when they commit a crime. That's all it would take to drastically lower Seattle's crime rate. Another officer said, people come here because it's called free Seattle, and they believe if they come here, they will get free food, free medical treatment, free mental health treatment, a free tent, free clothes, and will be free of prosecution for just about everything. And they're right. It didn't used to be that way. Law enforcement officers used to be able to enforce the laws. This officer continues, in the last five years, there has been a culture shift and it started with the legislature decriminalizing felonies and dumping convicts onto the streets. 
a few of them brought up this I this concept of like we're not allowed to enforce. I'm a law enforcement officer who's not allowed to enforce the law. Our entire fucking culture has lost the concept that is key to how our, even our shitty justice system was is designed to work, and that is prosecutorial discretion. You don't throw the book at every single person in society for everything you can find. The system cannot work that way. It's not meant to. But I'm not trying to defend our criminal justice system because, I mean, it sucks for more reasons than that. This, ha- this is because of Democrats over the last... 40 years running on a tough on crime thing in their own eyes feel that they have no as democrats have no credibility on law enforcement so then they they become prosecutors and then mayors and congress people in all those positions they especially as prosecutors are tough on crime they they yeah. try to oversell their tough on crime bona fides by mm-hmm. prosecuting everything to the nth degree right it's like an insecurity it's like a, a coward's insecurity like who <laughs> it's like imagine someone's called a chicken and they machine gun at a, a, a grocery <laughs> store you know it's like yeah to, to show they're tough, you know, like, <laughs> that. that is what uh, Democratic prosecutors have done and and touted for for decades yeah. now. Kamal uh, Harris. Kamal Harris, yeah, for sure. And uh, Amy Klobuchar also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joe Biden instrumental in the crime bill, right? Yeah, yeah, as a legislator, yeah. yeah. Um, it, uh, the other two are prosecutors. Right. Um, and then, you know, he say, the guy says, like, if we just enforce the law, that's all it would take to... Mm-hmm lower the crime rate if you enforce the law as much as you want to the crime rate would go up because there would be yeah more more, <laughs> more crime yeah. more human action would be deemed as yes. crime right so whatever the numbers are meaningless but um <laughs> look this is a part of a whole enforcement narrative that the only the only way we can imagine to solve any problem now is enforcement make a new law and enforce it throw the book at people because again it's all about incentives and in particular yeah too, uh negative reinforcement too much carrot it's just yeah. too much carrot more stick you're on a list you know nice there's a list of the of the 100 <laughs> they came out with the 100 frequent flyers really? friendly faces of everything of all the entire what, which one am i which number on the list yeah oh you're up there nice you're up there i was just saying like, I've definitely been the most in Seattle. Guaranteed. Travis, put the bike down, Travis. I, I don't want to spend too much time on the f- most flamboyant person yeah. they could possibly find yeah. um, to the put on camera. Like Johnny Rotten. Yeah. Um, except to say that they show that body cam footage that shows... Outside that the Laurenti. Yeah. That they, they say, it started, that it shows... Him walking down the street carrying a bicycle. Yeah. And the cops are yelling at him to put down the bike. By put name. down the bike by, by name. name. They know him. And then later it cuts and it's clearly it's been going on a while and he narrates it started with property destruction <laughs> and he throws the lid of a trash can <laughs> at the cops or something or throws it on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then escalated to assaulting police officers. And then it's a bunch of police surrounding him and he's swatting at them and he's like put himself in a garbage <laughs> yeah, can to yeah. protect himself. Yeah, he's barricaded. It didn't, himself in there. it clearly started with a man walking down the street with a bicycle. Then <laughs> cops intervened, hassled, four cops surrounded him. Yeah. 
At least. And then, then it escalated to, pro- to quote, property destruction, right. throwing around right. a trash a can. Yeah. Right? Then, when there were eight cops surrounding <laughs> him, like, up in his business, it, it escalated to <coughs> assaulting officers, meaning spit spitting on yeah. them. Right. So, this is so emblematic of how fucking stupid police and our policing is that all they do is show up and fucking escalate fucking everything. This was a guy... A, they don't... They don't try to tell us anything else from this footage. They don't show him doing anything else. They don't show crime. They don't say he was reported for this. This was going on. shows a man walking down a street carrying a bicycle. Mm -hmm. It started with property destruction. But the cops are already there. We're watching their body cam footage. And they're in the frame. So it didn't start with that. Listen to these next words carefully. Let them sink in. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again that the only thing I can equate it to is we're running a concentration camp without barbed wire up to and including the medical experiment of poisoning these people with drugs. I I don't know how else to put it and it's infuriating. You can't park your motorhome in this driveway with no engine in it, with all this filth around it. Uh, You can't do it. It's wrong. And stop them. I gotta say, man, this is really nice. I am in heaven. He's in Hobart now. He bought a horse ranch and shares it with his family and these friends. So this is Griff here, the white guy. Well, I think the funniest thing that he says unintentionally is that freedom is a concentration camp because the alternative, again, thesis of this whole video is that they need to be in prison or some intervention has to occur. So the system now is a concentration camp. What will it be after we intervene? That That's my yeah. question. You know what's more like a concentration camp? Prison. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, you might want to think of a different metaphor. Yeah, all right, all right. And I used to say, this place is great because the streets are so clean, it's so beautiful. You walk down the streets now, they smell like urine. The cemeteries are being desecrated. People can't go to parks with their kids because there's needles everywhere. My office, bullets come flying through the windows at us. It's out of control. It's nonstop. And this, we, we deserve better. And it's all preventable. It's all avoidable. It's all fixable. It didn't have to get like this. I wish I had faith in my government. But after two meetings with council members and nothing's changed, I don't really expect anything to change. We're going to have to do this ourselves. Well, thanks for coming down, guys. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Appreciate it. In comes Ari Hoffman. He's also angry because there's trash around. Okay, specifically, he's mad that there are needles and meth and condoms and whatever on the gravestones in a Jewish cemetery he Mm -hmm. cares about. He's running for city council now in District 2. Mm -hmm. All he says in here is he has anger and he can't believe that He's been pushed to this point because, you know, he talked to his city councilors. They didn't know how to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that's just dumb. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's clearly a man of ideas or at least has an inflated sense of self importance (laughs) Oh, my God, that's right. Oh, the shots of him and those, the bouncy, the blow up toy bouncy castle shit. He's a bouncy castle (laughs) baron. And what did he, what does he call that? What's the... the oh, it says real estate and inflatable real estate. Inflatable real estate. Real yeah. estate. Uh-huh. Uh, very yeah. interesting. Um, uh, inflatable estate would be the better <laughs> joke there. Real uh, estate and inflatable estate. Yeah, no, your city council people don't have solutions that sound 
it's marked to you because it's a bigger fucking problem. So right, and only one city council member is willing to address that systemic yeah, issue. I guess he's not a fan of Shamus Wan. In 2016, the latest data we have: for every 100 police reports, 46 of them, almost twice as many, didn't get filed. Nothing happened at all. They were completely ignored. Of the remaining 54 of the original 100, one-third of them were then outright dismissed, thrown out. Another third were listed as other, with no resolution. So only 18 of the original 100 reports filed by police actually result in convictions. 18. And of those 18 convictions after plea deals and lenient sentences, very few cases end up with anyone really being held accountable. I do want to pick apart this, and he has another like graph moment where he talks about the results of police reports <laughs> in a 10 year period 2006 to 2016. Yeah, and talking about how, like, you know, he says in 2006, a quarter of reports to police were never filed, and now it's 46%, and then of those, only. Only, you know, really a quarter are prosecuted in any way. Like Many of those, of those are dismissed. Are dismissed. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, in our criminal justice system, if something is dismissed, that means it was fucking horseshit. Second of all, there are probably more, there are, again, there is a community to oppress and a yeah. visible community that people want police now. So in 2006, there weren't... As many homeless people right. creating trash that right. all these Magnolia shitheads weren't constantly calling the police on. Mm -hmm. So, end, end of story. Fuck off. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Yeah. There are, I'm sure, the the police department, I'm sure the cops are constantly showing up because fucking white homeowners are looking out their window and no seeing yeah. fucking someone vagrants living. walk by. Yeah. Someone breathing air. <laughs> yeah. And oh, that's a report to the police yeah. that gets in. And yeah. yeah, a lot of the times, probably the police don't even bother to file a report. They It files that it, it, came, it came in, but there's no paperwork. And then when it, if they do, a lot of those turn out to be just nothing there and just get thrown out because it's horseshit. Yeah, well, the thing that really rubs me the wrong way about this, too, is just... <laughs> Like, looking at this lens of all of these crimes, again, should be treated equally, and, like, they all should go to court, and all these people shouldn't be able to plead out. Right, if you they call should, the police on someone... <laughs> then it needs to be resolved then, with jail time. And it time. doesn't end in, in <laughs> jail time. We failed. Then something's wrong with our criminal justice. If some, like, <laughs> busybody fucking... Yeah, like, asshole sees... A, a man walking his dog who doesn't have white skin, then that guy should be in if, prison. If a citizen feels a 911 call is warranted, it should end in prison time <laughs> for somebody. I mean, that is that is strongly implied. Yes, yes. The real homeless you don't see. Out-of-work truckers or construction workers who've run into bad luck don't live like this intense on mud patches. This is something different. This is drugs, heroin, meth. Citizens know it. Can we at least acknowledge the elephant in the room that this is also a drug problem? I've only heard it being mentioned as a housing problem. This is a drug problem. The quote-unquote homeless know it too. I have not met anyone else on the street who's not in some phase of addiction. I mean, of use of serious use and i think that that's the starting point you just have to address that you have to figure that out so i, I wanted to make sure i got that correct 
I would say 100% of the people that I have met out here are in some level of addiction. 100%. Yeah. Every single person. Every single person I've met out of here. We didn't address this before, but anytime they, sh they show Jenny Durkin, it's kind of in this weird, like, progressive, tinged, go goggle way. And then they go on to say, like, no one will talk about the real root of this problem. When again, like... You have Shama Sawant, who probably has hours worth of, like, rad rants about capitalism contributing, if not creating... Well, they don't this... mean the real... They mean <laughs> drugs. They mean well, the war on yeah. drugs. Well, yeah, his cute solution, like, he has some anecdata because he chilled and rapped with one homeless woman on the street. <laughs> At, next to her tent mansion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who just tells him everyone's on drugs. And it's also like, first of all, so what? Second like, of all... um. <laughs> Man, if I was homeless, I would get on drugs. Well, exactly. Like, what? What does that say? That doesn't say I'd be anything. Like, All right, fuck it. Um, give me that heroin. <laughs> like, what yeah. else am I gonna do? Yeah, keep warm somehow. Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, that's all just totally fucking like marble-brained nonsense. <laughs> like, whatever. But it is funny and yeah. that they do like if you cherry pick a neoliberal craven hack like Jenny Durkin <laughs> she can sound you know sound yeah. in these tiny cut uh -huh. sound bites like very tiny like not really that great but just like saying things that aren't horrible you know right. saying like right. yeah crime and homelessness should not be like inextricably conflated. associated and yeah. conflated in the press all the time and it's like they're like then they're they're trying to make her out like she's like she's this fucking communist. Yeah, and I mean this, but this is a this is we know this. This is conservative conservative trope. This like it's we come back to this all the time. They said Obama was a socialist, right, for his entire presidency, right. with the eye of a reporter. It's a miserable life. It really is. You have no place to go to the bathroom. Uh, fires are prohibited in most places. Uh, your biggest thing is theft. Everybody complains about theft. There's no safe spot here at all. He's seen it all. The rats, the human waste, the cold, the torment. You wouldn't wish this life on your worst enemy. No. Right? No. But it's remarkable that people are choosing this. Even though you hear the statistics from the city that, oh, people don't want to do this, that they're, it's miserable, there's a compassion for people. The people you see, and I, I see in camps, Many of them are choosing to stay this way because of all the drug habits they have. Or the That's all habits. driven by the drugs. Yes. Uh, almost the drugs drives, drives everything we see here, right? I would pretty much say that. Uh, substance abuse, heroin, meth, uh, even marijuana to some extent, uh, is the driving factor why they stay out here. Okay, so they double down on some stuff. He talks to the like homeless camp reporter at Como or whatever. Yeah. And basically, they double down on the the root pro. All of this is drugs. It's all because of the drugs, and that is a very simple device for attacking something that's you know built into our political culture as like a big enemy that needs to be prosecuted right. Right. with a war on drugs. Yeah. But also, it clearly obfuscates talking about any other causes of these things. Mm -hmm. Specifically, they're saying this is. The reason every, everyone is out here, that mm -hmm. it can all be traced to drugs, which would suggest there's nothing else wrong, you know, there are no <laughs> other factors, but also, 
they push this line of horseshit about people choosing to live this way. Right. This is very common. Now, then right. they go... They don't take it very far. They say that, but then they say, because of the drugs. And then you go, wait, so you're saying... So what you're saying is people are addicted to drugs, which, in your mind, is a choice to be on the streets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. First, so that's yeah. kind of like a pretty fucked up way to look at addiction. They also let it hang just this, like, people are choosing to, mm-hmm. to live this way. And, like, you got to ask, like, what is the fucking alternative? Like, yeah. if you had a viable alternative, you wouldn't be doing this, even if you were addicted to drugs. If there was yeah, anything totally. else. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you would use drugs in your apartment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. stopping no, you but, from that. No, the thing stopping you in is... Because you're an addict, you can't get your shit together to have an apartment. Yeah, That's but, what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. There are no other factors <laughs> right, there. Right. Uh, it's just that. Right. And that if you just got treatment and got off drugs coming off the street, presumably got that treatment and got off drugs while living in a tent in a street where, as they say, you're a victim of all these deprivations. Right. You, oh, then you'd be like, cool. Where's my apartment? I'll just have that apartment now. I'll just have that. Jo- I'll just have that yeah. job you mentioned that paid that you know to live in this town. That seventy thousand dollar a year job yeah, that you can right. afford an apartment. I mean, no, I, that's not what they would do. I guess in these people's mind is they'd get free of drugs. They'd like they'd pull themselves up by the their bootstraps by getting off drugs while living in a tent on a <laughs> side of a freeway. <laughs> then they'd fuck off to somewhere cheaper. Yeah. yeah. And work in an no Amazon warehouse yeah. at commute to an exurban Amazon warehouse from some deeper, shittier exurb <laughs> where they live in a trailer park. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah. The yeah. That's the American dream. Just don't be on drugs. <laughs> That it that kind of is, isn't it? Like yeah, well, participate. Don't, don't be on fent. Don't like. <laughs> don't. That's the American dream yeah, now. Is yeah. don't be on prescription pills. <laughs> like there's no dropping out in capitalism. I think. No, man. It's <laughs> the American dream is to not be an addict. That's yeah. all you can hope for. So next up is, like, their own little Willie Horton ad. <laughs> um, Our where, boy Arby. Yeah. Um, where, you know, okay, they talk about this guy, and I remember reading about this um, particular assault. Mm. You know, he brutally uh, assaulted uh, an elderly woman. But then, you know, and it's, as they describe it, as a horrible crime. Um... But then they go on this convoluted chain of, like, well, before, like, 96 hours before that happened, he was sitting next to a fountain and was arrested. In front of the courthouse. In front of the courthouse. Um, And if we had just, like, gassed him at that moment, uh, presumably is what they're saying. Well, yeah, because he had committed crimes in the past. Right, and then they go and like, well, oh, but why, like, if we had kept it, he was released without being charged because he had, he was 
arrested for dealing methamphetamines. Yeah. Which probably, if he was thrown out, like, if he was released, I'm going to guess he had not that much on him yeah. and was probably just using it. And right. that's why he was just released. But yeah. even though the cops were trying to say, like, oh, he's dealing it mm-hmm. out there. Whatever. Who knows? But, like, this this old, this old is this old log- logic of, like, someone committed a crime and there were opportunities to Stop take them off crime. the street yeah. based on not that crime, yeah. but like early, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah. And then you, this guy, he was arrested. They had him in their custody. They let him go. But then they say, but they could have looked, they looked in his past and seen that he had done time in prison for assaults in the right. past. Right. What's the implication here that yeah. because, so because you had done a crime in the past, you should be arrested for that crime in the future again. again? Yeah, like, I right. mean, what are you trying to yeah. say? The ultimate logic of that is all crimes are punishable by life in prison, never right. to be released. Yeah. Like, and- first offense. Like, ah, it's just so fucking mind-numbing to, like, try and jump through the hoops of these, these fucking idiots' logic. Like, totally. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it is horrific what happened to that woman, but, like... It's pretty clear that these people, again, like, they can't fathom crime, really. And so they they have to think of it this way as, like, well, if you've ever committed a crime, then you just are a criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's no rehabilitation for you. No matter what your next crime is, I mean, it's like... Well, or if there it's was... Three, it's like three strikes, basically. If there was, well, it's one strike. Well, yes. Is the ultimate yes. conclusion here. Yeah. But, like, what they're saying, yeah, there's... The, you're, it's impossible to rehabilitate criminals as evidenced by the <laughs> fact that we've put them in prison for... This guy, what, did they say 19 years he'd been in prison? Yeah, I think and so. And he still commits crimes. And it's like... <laughs> yeah. How much more... You know, clear. You know, if you can't, if you aren't cured of crime <laughs> after 19 years in prison, yeah, uh, in California, no yeah, less. yeah, right. Uh, there's no hope for the criminal mind. You know, <laughs> um, maybe, yeah. a, maybe a slightly different way of looking at that is that our fucking carceral state is not a solution to fucking anything. Um, it does not deter or prevent crime. Right. It, well, pro- yeah. it cer- almost certainly does encourage, like, u- ultimately more crime because, yes, these people who, <laughs> they, whose lives have been ruined by prison have been turned into criminals right, by the right, system. Right. Um, and have, you know, get out and have no way to build a life, you know. You can get into the details of the fact that they can't get jobs or, you know, whatever, but, like, it's just like. God, take a fucking step back. But you can't. Totally. They, all they can see is the stick. All they're yeah. just so obsessed with the fucking stick. They, no, they are. Well, they want to use it so bad uh, because again, they believe that they're law-abiding and they they're playing by the rules, and that when you don't play by those rules, there should be a punishment. And don't think for a moment that the visitors to our city don't notice well it's kind of surprising i don't know why the city would let that happen i mean this is your touristy spot you know what i mean this family is from tennessee they seem genuinely confused i just don't understand isn't it trespassing uh, you know what i'm saying so so how can they they stay there why does the city put up with it why do you, i mean that's a public spot why does somebody get to stay there i don't understand that i 
I would be arrested, I thought, in my town if I, I did that. I mean, right by our parking garage, it's there's just trash and... Oh, the smell was awful. Oh, my God, the smell is horrible in any stairwell you go into around yeah. here. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Do you think they'll be back to visit again? Oh, okay, so... <laughs> Southern man! <laughs> <laughs> These pasty, fat fucks from... Tennessee. Tennessee from the, the mountain. This is folk. who this is who they brought it. The tourists they decided to survey for their thoughts on <laughs> Seattle are these fucking fat white Southerners, um, like who they're they're the voice of reason we're meant to be listening right, to. Right. Like, um, yeah, like oh, how does a city allow? Them? They're just like gobsmacked. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, she's like. Ain't that trespassing? <laughs> if I was at home, we'd have that guy hanging from a tree. <laughs> because because there are camps near the yeah. waterfront, you know, yeah. or there are tents down there. And it's like, uh, and they're like, this would never be allowed where we're from, you know, where... <laughs> where we venerate in, law and order. In, it, in the old confederacy. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean... You know, and he frames it as compassion disguised, or like as indifference, as indifference disguised as in compassion. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, look, there is a difference. A lot, we, a lot of other places do treat the homeless even worse than we do, which is they just fucking get rid of them yeah. by any means necessary, yeah. and make and ma- they really, really bring the the stick down yeah. to really make it clear to for they need to fuck off. Yeah. And the bare minimum that the city does by not sending out riot cops every day to beat the shit out of homeless people, yeah. like like doesn't have to happen in Tennessee because it's never allowed to get like this because mm-hmm. the second a vagrant walks down the street yeah, he's probably harassed yeah. and driven to the like next yeah county over mm-hmm. and dropped off and told never to show his face again right uh it's because we're just not that basic level of non-aggression it's not like we're showing any humanity to these people it's just we don't want to be seen like yeah actually beating the shit out of them yeah totally that and or doing these like overtly hostile things or um overtly visibly uh, indifferent things like moving them to another county, sending, putting them on a train or a bus. Um, that's all that we're doing different here is we're just, we've just toned down because we're not comfortable with the same level of overt, Mm -hmm. clear, like brutality that other places in the country are. But let's not start taking advice from those people. And in the last three years, you know, it just has gone downhill. Steve Danishek has spent his whole life in Seattle. He says when misdemeanors stopped being enforced, it was the beginning of the end. And at that point, everyone got the message. It's a free-for-all down here. It's the Wild West. No laws apply. Do whatever you want. I could go down here and pee on the street or crap over there or smoke a joint. I, I have no one's going to get arrested for doing that because they're not doing that. They're not arresting anyone. If I was a city council member, I might say, well, we're overwhelmed. We've got this homeless epidemic. No, 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 no. The city, we, we the city, the city council is not overwhelmed by anything. The city council are idiots. They know that there are solutions out there. They simply have turned their back on the solutions. So the old man who says the city council are idiots and then the follow-up to that being... Um, fuck, civility crime. Yeah, civility like, crime. SPD's not... Do, not uh, 
targeting not, not doing their crimes. job like this this is the broken windows thing like first of all this is the whole premise of broken windows that if you let all of these petty misdemeanor crimes go then things just escalate i think what eric is advocating for is debtor's prison but yeah so he's, he's angry they're not the spd is not like um pursuing civility infractions like pissing on the sidewalk and shit um and it's like the it is it is broken windows uh it's like a chicken and the egg thing though it's like yeah the we know the whole broken windows thing is bullshit um and it's just it's a tool for just aggressively policing people yeah because you want to aggressively police people who are there existing we know this yeah, I would love to hear what the total is of if all the main the business in the downtown car would put their loss of theft millions and millions of dollars a year and just kind of if they could compile that stat we would all just probably drop dead after we heard what the total was. One of the officers who replied to the questionnaire we sent out agreed. The amount of money lost due to thefts downtown he said is staggering. He goes from the you know broken windows shit the petty crime, yeah. uh, civility infractions, to mm -hmm. talking about the rates of theft and shoplifting. Yeah. He interviews Millions them. and millions lost. Oh, yeah. The cops saying, if we knew what the numbers were, man, they'd be big. Well, even Scott Lindsay saying, oh, it's millions and millions, but no one actually quantifying that. Uh, and the Wajamaya person yeah. talking about, you know, the boldness that people have when they're <laughs> yeah. like... Um, and then... They say out of the 600, like, calls from Wajamaya to SPD, the way these numbers could easily be inflated because of just targeting and, like, right. how much how much is just bullshit. Um, and are you gonna, like, from just people being targeted unjustly to people, like, shoplifting, like, a fucking apple or something and, like... Yeah. That you're not... Sorry, you know what? Here's why you can't prosecute that shit. Uh, it's a waste of fucking time and money. It's petty and stupid. And if you're going to have a grocery store, you, you, I'm sorry, you know what? That's going to happen. It's right. part of the yeah. cost of doing business. We have this attitude, this loss of the idea of prosecutorial discretion. Every, anything, any infraction in society has to be have the book thrown at it. But beyond that, the problem that these people are not like understanding is that there are causes larger yeah. than these things why is there so much homelessness and crime and addiction right. all happening at the same time mm -hmm. it's because our economy is fucking trash it is generating as a machine for generating people pushing people onto the margins of society and that is always going to cause homelessness crime and addiction it's going to drive people to that in various ways mm -hmm. and that's not to say it's always going to drive people to that or but it is going that is going to happen when it gets to a certain scale and not very even that high right okay it doesn't have to spike that much crime before it becomes fucking pointless to try and prosecute it there's too much you couldn't mm -hmm. you don't have enough fucking judges you don't have enough and thank god if all, your only response to this kind of rise in petty crime was to throw the book at every single one you'd need thousands more judges thousands more cops right, and yeah. prosecutors mm -hmm. and you would have an even more elaborate and insane 
police state. Th- it's not the solution. It can't be. That's why you have to talk, like, when there is a larger volume of these petty, stupid crimes that don't really matter, it's insane to prosecute them all, which is why the city is not doing that. Because right. you look at, you, you fucking triage that shit. Yes. Which should tell you that you have to look for a lar- for larger causes outside just fucking hitting people with with the stick of a law. Okay? <laughs> like, Identify what is happening here in the, in this economy. This is getting to something good here, I think. Um, we're going to travel back in time to the head tax fight. I was actually at this rally. You were. I was here, yeah. Citizens and shop owners had waited for the people running our city to come up with something, a plan. And then one day last May, a group of construction workers got tired of waiting and took action. Coming here for this important discussion. No head tax! No head tax! No head tax! As you know, I'm also a rank and file member of the labor movement. On that day, the tide turned against Seattle's proposed business head tax to pay for homeless services and affordable housing. But if we fight against each other, the bosses win. The city council, which had passed the tax unanimously. You can say exactly what you think, but rather than chanting against each other, let's hear each other out. Was forced to repeal $75 million worth of business taxes. And for a moment in time, anyway, it felt as though something had changed. So, there, there it is, man. I was at that rally, but I don't know what that has to do with what he's saying. Like we've covered, we don't need to talk about the head tax. This no. is just this this day when Swant was in front of the balls, giving a big, you know, a little rally and a speech, and someone brilliantly had a bunch of like like 18 construction workers in their hats and vests show up and chant no head tax as a good fucking move you know it's been talked some of these guys have been interviewed like it's pretty well understood they kind of didn't have a huge concept of the issue except that <laughs> amazon was threatening to shut down construction and and that's their livelihood Eric here is sort of giving this as evidence of like some kind of turn in the politics of the city. Mm-hmm. And this, this is, is well, just... this is what I've been saying stupidly through this whole fucking thing that this is the perception of Seattle's government that Shama Sawant is the same as the government, which is fucking ridiculous. Hilarious. Like, this yeah. is the first bit of progressive tax that has been passed in a long time, like, not just in Seattle. And then to somehow insinuate that that is business as usual, like fuck that, off, right. man! And they're appealing it was like a, cha- a, t- a turn in the tide, yeah, back right? To yeah, normal, that's or like to another direction. Yeah, yeah, that these realistic fucking Christopher Rufo lost boys, the silent majority, had finally struck a blow against big socialism. Like go, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Seriously, go fuck yourself. Obviously, this is annoys me to no end because it's so disingenuous because nobody else on the council or in city government is a socialist or even really a leftist. Like, 
Yeah. Go fuck yourself. None of the policies are socialist or leftist. And that head tax passed in the first place because it was a very meek, yeah, it sad was little down. nothing. It was, it was, it was, it was nothing. <laughs> it, was, it was nothing. But it got turned into a political football by the business class, and that's why it seemed like this big left-right thing. And that's insane. It was like a nothing, nothing tax, but. We we've covered that a lot, but that totally. just the way he's using it here is on this very right Seattle sort of um, paradigm here. Yeah, that that finally the adults in the room had won. Karen Dannenberg ran her boutique in Belltown for many years, and then things changed. There was a guy shooting heroin or whatever he was shooting on the sidewalk. I was in flip-flops walking by. There was urine all over the sidewalk, mattresses, a pile of trash that was overflowing, and it was appalling. She called the police. She wrote letters. Things only got worse. And I go to Bellevue, and it's calm, and it's quiet, and there's none of this stuff going on. And it's a joy being over there. I, I, I never thought I would say I'd be ready to leave Seattle, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bye, <man>. Felicia. <laughs> oh, Bellevue, it's so beautiful. Oh, she called it's the cops because there was a man shooting up. You're not at the beach. <laughs> She's like, I was wading through trash and needles on an on a Belltown sidewalk in my flip flops. <laughs> That sounds like a you problem. Don't fucking wear flip-flops down a city sidewalk, no. you fucking yeah. child. No. You're not at the beach. Jesus Christ. And I'm sh <laughs> you know what? You want to mall walk the Be at Bellevue Square <laughs> in your flip-flops? Be my guest. I'm I'm glad you're happy there. There's this long bit about, like, Rhode Island that's really dumb, <laughs> and we don't need to... But then he starts talking about treatment with medications, yeah. which is a thing that should be greatly expanded. True, and you start going, like, cool, this is... Yeah, this is this is finally saying something that isn't completely stupid. It's not like a systematic approach, right. but it is like a and a approach. concrete yeah. medical approach that needs to be part of the problem of actually getting individuals off of their addictions. Yeah, and then but he starts talking immediately to about a program treating people with medications in prison. So it's yeah. like that's how he frames the whole thing: is yep. we need to put these people in prison so that we can get this medication. And then he has like someone who runs like the program on, and just hear what she says about this program of getting these people medicated in prison. Really, this is the perfect setting because there isn't as there's not as much um, distraction actually. And the key here is that where she says, like, the line about it, there's, le like, it's the Fewer perfect setting because there's less distractions. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. That is fucking dystopic. Oh, completely. That, like, yeah. You know, in prison, it's really the, the best medical treatment. <laughs> the best place to really get healthy 
is prison because there's less distraction, you know? <laughs> We've cram- we can cram all these people in one place and control their every move and and really make sure they take their drugs by looking down their throat. Yeah, right, time. which which they show they us. Show, yeah. And it's holy shit. I mean, she said that with, with such just with such ease and like Oh yeah. Yeah. Fuck, these people are insane. Well, it's so per- paternalistic oh yeah well in but in a in a the darkest way well and again well right like, why don't we just like i mean really we could solve a lot of pro- a lot of society's problems people in cages i mean if we just put them in cages and forced them to <laughs> take our prescribed uh solution to yeah. their various problems yeah you know like yeah. what if what if you know yeah sometimes like, that's what like sodium barbitol or whatever <laughs> Sometimes it's suboxone. I mean, yeah, it depends on the crime. Well, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be all medical. I mean, it could be, you know, go to prison and get mandatory debt counseling, you know, yeah. in debtor's prison, <laughs> yeah. you know? When I got the handcuffs put on me at my house that day when they kicked my door in, um, I looked at the lady detective and I said, thank you. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She said, they're a she said, this guy's not saying anything. She said, I said, you just saved my life. Because if she didn't stop me there, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I would either be dead or I'd be doing life. I was around with the pills and everything, and then once I found opiates, that was, that was the end of it, you know? Maybe if I didn't come in here, I'd probably be dead. So you think getting arrested was a good thing for you? I think it saved my life. And then and multiple Rhode Islanders testify to our intrepid Como <laughs> reporter that they they are so thankful. One guy tells a story of how like when he was arrested he th- turned and thanked that lady policewoman <laughs> for saving his life. And then then this kid, like it was an old dude, then there's this like young kid, he's like, "Man, Thank God I'm in prison, or I might be dead. You know, <laughs> like it's like this is really like selling prison as yeah. like man. More people should really just spend some time in prison. You know, if you are so, in some way a drag on society, if you are homeless, if you are an addict, if you can't make your car payments, if you didn't go to high school uh you you know what come by prison sometime (laughs) we've got the place for you it's like (laughs) selling it like it's a fucking spa like yeah yeah and like uh uh, just sort of a cure-all i i can kind of imagine somebody going like a pamphleteer going through uh encampments in seattle and it's just like down on your luck you know, like addicted to heroin, and that's like, have you thought about prison? Do you need to get clear? <laughs> <laughs> Your thetans are out of whack. Yeah, dude, that's like it's. They're selling prison like it's Scientology. You're, like, yeah, like it's yeah. a full like cell, yeah. like mind, body, soul. Totally. Like you know. L- it will say it will literally save, save your, your life. life. Yeah, it'll get rid of those thetans, those whatever neo thetans we're talking about here that prison cures. It's like Zenu has a plan for you. Are you not achieving your full potential? Do you feel detached from society? 
friends, family, do you see yourself doing bigger, better things? <laughs> Join us in prison. <laughs> do you feel encumbered by thousands of years of past lives? <laughs> Yeah, prison's cool. This might be the darkest thing, and this this kid. Yeah, no, like you like like you said, they're selling. They are selling like, it. Pretty, I I got on those pills. I got they they say it like it's just like this. Oh, I got on these these pills, man. Yeah. Then I found opiates, and then it was over. Right. And then pretty soon I had this goatee, <laughs> and and but they skip, and then but thank God I'm in prison now. I'm getting clear, and like I have less thetans every day. But what you uh. what they just gloss right over is where he said, I got on those pills. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's, we all know this now, but he fails to address it here. Prescription painkillers were yeah. fucking, f- like, forced down the throats of Americans. Right. Even if this guy, kid was never prescribed, yeah. it's probably that his parents were, you mm-hmm. know? Or he just got it, like, someone's parents in school were, yeah. you know? Like, jeez, yeah. like, these... Things were pushed out by right. these fucking yeah. drug companies. There is a larger structural thing happening here yeah. called capitalism that right. is in our healthcare system that is for profit, that our drugs are being sold for profit, that is that encourages like um, incentives <laughs> for profit that override like actual medical concerns to where these people right. like con the whole healthcare system and and right. bribe it into pushing these drugs that they know are insanely addictive. Mm-hmm. They're, and this goes back all the way. I mean, th- yeah, I'm, to- this is, you know, this goes back to... This, uh, fucking heroin is supposed to be the non-addictive form of opiate, okay? <laughs> like, that... Like that—that yeah, that, that says it all. That's it? that's a, the heroin is the trade name is the bear company trade name. Ugh, yeah, but right. the, there was actually fraud, like documented fraud, that yeah, went yeah. on with OxyContin and yeah. But you don't—that's not mentioned here. No, it's not mentioned it's just, here. Just that just happened. That's just in the air. That's just a personal choice of mine. Mm-hmm. I got on them pills, right? And in my, my you know, I, that I got from my destroyed. white like parents who got. But thank God I'm in prison. I mean, holy fuck, that is dark. Okay, so just to hammer this all home, listen to this spiel he gives... And just know that the whole time it's a it's drone footage like hovering lovingly over a massive prison complex. That shining prison on the hill. Look at this place. Look at all the buildings, the infrastructure. What if this was a specialized facility where we could use all of our resources and knowledge to fight this thing that is happening? What if it was a place where doctors and counselors and caseworkers were available? along with the treatment drugs that we know work, the ones we know save lives. What if this was a very specific place where sick people learn how to live life again? Job training, therapy, treatment, all of it in one place. It would have to be a place where the patients couldn't simply get up and leave if they wanted because the sickness is such that that doesn't really work. But eventually they would leave and have jobs and families and maybe continue to use methadone, suboxone, or Vivitrol for the rest of their lives. 
the way some people use insulin. What you're looking at is McNeil Island, completely abandoned for the most part. You might call it an answer waiting for the right question. It wouldn't have to be here. It could be somewhere else. But maybe that billion dollars that we spent last year could be spent on a tough, compassionate concept that actually works, that saves lives. He's describing a hospital. A hospital. Oh, but a hospital where the patients cannot just get up and leave. That's... Fuck! No, that... Oh, you... Oof. No, man. God knows. Medical treatment, as we know, uh, is never effective unless the patient (laughs) is strapped down and locked in their room. Yeah, I've seen Clockwork Orange. I know how that works. Yeah. Well, the other funny part about this is it's showing McNeil Island. I'm pretty sure McNeil Island is where the people who are charged with violent sexual crimes who we feel like we can't release into general population, though they've served their prison terms, are being held indefinitely without due process. So that's pretty cool. Thanks for well, that, So Eric. it's like uh, it's uh, <coughs> Guantanamo SVU. It is. Uh, that's cool. not a joke. That's, uh, that is the truth that's happening right now. So Cool. Great. Uh, and he'd like to extend that program. <laughs> yeah, me. It's like he's, this is literally it's literally like a hero shot of yeah, this it's, it's prison. It's hilarious. He, imagine how cool it would be if everyone could check in to prison <laughs> against their will and only leave at the whim of the state. <laughs> yeah, cool. I don't know, you know. Probably get a lot of reading done and come out ripped, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, shit, is it free? (laughs) (laughs) It won't be. Uh, Fair enough. Okay, so let's let's hear his sum up. A city is a living thing. It has a rhythm and a heartbeat, a kind of soul. It is a collection of ideas that we protect and defend, old ideas and new ones. And over time, the ideas blend into a collective, living, ever-changing dream. And the dream is nothing more and nothing less than a better life for our children. But behind the beauty and the ideals, behind the bridges and the ballparks and the beautiful buildings, the dirty work is the fight. Great dreams and great cities don't survive without a fight. You nailed it, man. You called it. That the city is... Oh, yeah. He vocalized what we were saying at the beginning. Well, first he says it's a living organism with a heart and a soul. Then it's it's a collection of, of ideas <laughs> and all this shit. Never once does he mention... A group of, of people. people. Yeah. Um, and the place they live. <laughs> he's, you know, so basically, yeah, he's just the totally abstracted city. Yeah. Then he starts talking about the fight and the dirty work. Yeah, and then like he, the si- he, like, rephrases that six or seven different ways. So basically, he's <laughs> like, we gotta, we gotta Get, do the yeah. dirty work to <laughs> save Seattle. Sharpen your sticks out there. We've got to go over to the dark side. 
We have to intervene. The words of Dick Cheney. <laughs> we have. That's what he's saying. He's like, we're gonna. It's gonna have to get ugly. Yeah, I. Th- I think this is why they're trying to be very delicate with the language that they're using. They think they're being delicate. Well, they think they're being delicate, but they're really just clods with one brain cell. Like, this whole... The true compassion is beating somebody into the ground and imprisoning them against their will for some petty fucking crime, like pissing in the street, and then uh, forcing them through some drug program. Well, there's two facets of it that are needed. It's enforcement and intervention. Stick. Okay? Well, they're one and the same. Stick and... and, (laughs) and So, carceral stick and healthcare stick. (laughs) And... But that's a totally false idea here. Like, one does not need the other. We do not need the carceral state to treat people's addiction or mental illness or yeah whatever and ever amen uh and my understanding is that we are treating people in that way outside of the carceral yeah of course yes not enough but right yes oh absolutely Um, the idea that you could do that outside of a prison is just sort of (laughs) it's never mentioned except where he says like but it could only work if the patients couldn't leave (laughs) and and this is the best setting like in case so in case that thought was entering your mind like yeah but isn't that just a hospital or like a health (laughs) care clinic of some kind so really that's it's really just becomes about then justifying the carceral state Completely, yeah. So it yes. says, but wait, sh- you know, in yeah. case you're thinking, but aren't there other things we can do? And the answer is yes, but those things are best done as a part of the carceral police state. Yeah. As a part of our, uh, what he's calling for is an ever-increasing prison population <laughs> um, to where, like, most of America spends some time in prison. Right, like, yeah. for rehabilitation. Basically, uh, basically in incarcerate the entire midwest and like a huge like anyone who basically anyone who's addicted to a drug throughout their life at any time yeah in america i mean that's that's looking at this shit logically um but what we know really is that the carceral state is a tool to oppress who whatever communities are deemed in need of oppression but i mean we're doing that already we're just yeah not, yeah you know he's they're trying to soften it with this this treatment thing but fuck they, they don't have to go together i mean no not. no they don't it's just they want to use that stick so bad well they, want, they all do they want to use it so so bad they just it's so they just want to see the the bad people go away. Right. Well, know? yeah, and and it, if they and if they can come through the gauntlet and they're <laughs> and come out as good people, then so sure, it. fine. Then we'll <laughs> yeah. re- fine. We'll release them back into society to live productive lives. Right. But the <laughs> se- so ba- which the the so it's the the criteria is get off drugs in prison and then immediately become a productive member yeah, of society no, you... with a job and a home because then that's what's going to keep you out of prison 
and that you are thankful for that time. <laughs> That's what you tell the parole board and any news yeah. people who oh, interview you. Anyone that you comes thank in contact the, with you. You tell them all the stories, how you thank the cop who arrests you. Mm-hmm. You thank the prison guards every yeah. day. Yeah. And, yeah, you thank the judge who sentenced you. Yeah. And, yeah. Because you'd be dead otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you've summed this up pretty well, but, like, this... This documentary is very poorly made. It makes very little sense, honestly. It's quite sprawling. It takes a lot of leaps. I don't know really how we went from homelessness to looking at people addicted to opiates. um, In Rhode Island. In Rhode Island. But, okay, Eric. Um, But it, I mean, it tells on itself in so many instances... uh, like, the cops. Every, no cop said they gave a shit about helping people. What they said they cared about was enforcing the law. <laughs> like, just let me enforce. The laws are there to be enforced. I just need to enforce the laws. <laughs> oh, my God. I just... Ugh, I can't leave a law unenforced. <laughs> and that I, I, I feel like, really, that, that tells you... That tells you everything about these people and this approach. Um, and that it's all disingenuous. They What they really don't like is they don't like people that aren't playing by the rules. You're milking the system, and that just can't happen. Well, basically, like you were saying, this is about stoking these this for the coming election. Yeah. Um, yeah, because this is... This is that shitty fucking thing that Christopher Rufo wrote. Like, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. It it, it it blames the victim. It says we need to throw the stick at him. And it indicts the city government and the all the current approaches that are not the police in the carceral state. Yeah. Um, Anyway, anyway, that's really fucking dark uh, and yeah, horrible. Um, that ugh. one hour took us like three hours to get through. Yeah, this is fucking <laughs> that's awful. But and, and like you said, like under it all is fascism. They want they want to put people in prison. They want a police state. They, they want, want to watch. To they want to time. watch the boot stomp on the human face and then come over and and lick the blood off it. Well, that's that's what compassion is, Greg. Yeah. As we have learned. It's intervention as... and enforcement. Enforcement and intervention in that order. <laughs> so I think I think we've got to wrap it. Cool, yeah. Uh, this is over now. Good it's night. Real, it's real late, um, so thank you for listening. Do we need to shout out anything? You um, know, this is the first episode in a while that we haven't had a new patron. Oh, that's true. It's kind of a bummer, but uh, that's okay. There's always next episode. Okay. Find us on Patreon. Uh, Seattle Sucks Pod, I think. Um, find us on Twitter. Uh, help us make fun of these craven monsters who are pretty much dominating the narrative across all media in Seattle. Um, yeah, pass this, pass this one around on online because, like... No one's going to watch this shit except, like, old boomer shitheads in Magnolia. <laughs> but, like, people need to know how fucking sick this shit is. It is. It's craven. It's disgusting. It's Orwellian. It's fascist in fuck. Its, 
in its language and construction it's disingenuous and it needs to be ridiculed and and really dismantled so go do our bidding if you haven't heard it yet we were on deadbeat film society yes we were a fantastic film pod that uh sorry podcast um that is produced here in seattle film pod is um the little known uh format wars third player uh <laughs> between betamax and vhs fuck you uh yeah before laserdisc was film pod yeah check that out and um check their show out they're really cool and they have very interesting thoughts on a wide range of films where it's too late guys yeah. but this is this we started this stupid and tired. It is 1.30 in the yeah, morning. Yeah, when we started it was St. Patrick's Day and all the leprechauns were just helping us out with this shit and now they've gone back to the hood and to space. <laughs> where, where else has Dude, the leprechaun been? I don't know, man. Okay, anyway, thank you for listening. Good night. Good night.